0: Chapter Fifteen of Dash for Khartoum. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K Hand. Dash for Khartoum by G A Henty. Chapter Fifteen. Bad News. No sooner was work over in the afternoon of the day after that on which Rupert had heard of his brother's loss. Then Skinner came across with Easton to see him. My dear Skinner, surely you are not fit to be walking about, he said as he saw them approaching. Oh, it won't do me any harm, Clinton. My arm is all in splints and, as you see, bandaged tightly to my side. The doctor seemed to say that I had better not move, but I promised to take care of myself. I should have come, old man, if I had been ten times as bad easton has just been telling me of this horrible business so of course i came over to see you i think from what he says you take too dark a view of it there is no doubt in my mind that he is a prisoner and that is bad enough but these arabs don't slaughter their prisoners in cold blood they are not such fools as that they make them useful i own it must be disgusting to be a slave especially to these arabs and of many fellows i should say they would never stand it any time Easton wouldn't for example in the first place He wouldn't work and in the next place if they tried to make him he would be knocking his master down And then of course he would get speared But I have great hopes of your brother He was always as hard as nails and I should have no fear of his breaking down in health Then he is a chap that can look after himself Look how well he has been going on since he bolted from Cheltenham then he is a beggar to stick to a thing, and I should say the first thing he will make up his mind to do will be to escape some day, and he will be content to wait any time till the opportunity occurs. You see, he has learnt a lot since he left school. He has been roughing it pretty severely. He has had over a year in this beastly hot climate, and will be able to make himself at home pretty near anywhere. I tell you, Clinton, I would lay odds on his turning up again even if he is left to himself. Besides that, if we go on to Khartoum and thrash the Mahdi, these Arabs will all be coming in and swearing that they are most grateful to us for freeing them from him, and you may be sure that any slaves they have will be given up at once. I don't say your brother is not in a hole, but I do say that he is just the fellow to get out of it. I have thought of everything you say, Skinner, and I do think that Edgar is as likely to make his escape some day as any one would be under the circumstances. But i doubt whether anyone could do it why not skinner asked almost indignantly i don't suppose he could make his way down the nile although he might do that but there are several caravan routes down to the red sea and then there is abyssinia the people are christians there and they say fighting against the mahdi's arabs now so if he got there he would be pretty sure to be treated well i should say that there were lots of ways that he could escape i don't mean now but when he has got accustomed to the country it seems to me a fellow with pluck and energy such as he has got ought to find no great difficulty in giving the people he is with the slip and making his way somewhere I do think Clinton there is no occasion to feel hopeless about your brother it may be a long time before you see him again but I do honestly believe he will turn up some time or other I begin to hope he will Rupert said at first I did not think so for a moment but now i have had time to look at it calmly i think that there is a chance of his getting off some day besides when we are once at khartoum and have scattered the mahdi's army i've no doubt general gordon will send orders through the land for all egyptian and european slaves to be brought in you know it is still hoped that some of hicks's officers may be alive and there is such a feeling for gordon throughout the country that his orders will be sure to be obeyed that is right clinton easton said. That is the view I take of it myself, and I am very glad to see that you have come to see it in that light And now will you tell us what there was in that letter that gave us the news of your brothers being brought out here? How came the sergeant to write to you? How did he know you were his brother? It seems an unaccountable business all through I have not looked at the letter since Rupert said it would have been very important if it had not been for Edgar's loss as it is it does not seem to matter one way or the other still as you say it is very singular altogether it's coming into my hands and he took out the letter it began sir two days ago I was with the trumpeter of my troop when you passed by with two other officers one of them called you Clinton and as I had an interest in the name it attracted my attention and I found that it also attracted the attention of the young fellow with me I questioned him and he acknowledged that he had been to school with you and the two officers with you good heavens Skinner broke in to think that we three should have passed so close to your brother and that none of us should have recognized him how awfully unfortunate it is terrible to think of now Rupert agreed and then continued reading the letter I then told Smith which is the name the trumpeter went by that my interest in you consisted of the fact that for aught I knew I was your father he exclaimed that in that case it was probable that i was his father as he had been brought up with you he then told me how he came to enlist namely that my wife whom i have not seen since she left india and who was i thought dead long ago had been to him and had told him all about the change of infants and said that she had done it on purpose for his good and that she knew he was her son because you had a mole on your shoulder and she wanted him to go on pretending to be captain clinton's son and offered to swear that the other one was hers so that he might get all the money that is why i write this my name is humphreys i was a sergeant in the thirtieth and it was at agra when we were stationed there that the change of infants took place my wife went over to england i took to drink and disgraced myself and five years afterwards deserted i stayed in england for some years and then enlisted again in the fifth dragoon guards and being young-looking gave my age as eight years younger than i was i now go by the name of bowen and am a sergeant and bear a good character in the regiment the lad did not wish me to say anything about this at any rate until the campaign was over but as we shall be marching in a day or two and it may be that i shall be killed i write a letter to you and one to captain clinton so that in case i am killed the truth may be known I affirm most solemnly that the statement made by my wife was a lie whether she did intend to change the children or not is more than I can say sometimes she said she did sometimes she said she didn't but at any rate she herself did not know which was which and did not discover the little mark on the shoulder until after the babies got mixed up over and over again I have seen her cry and wring her hands because she could not say which was which she acknowledged that she meant to make money out of it and Lamented that she had lost her chance because she could never herself tell which was which of this I am ready to take my oath in any court of justice And if she says she knows now she is a liar I've read this letter over to troop sergeant Matthews and have in his presence sworn on a Bible to its truth He will place his name by the side of mine as witness to that and to my signature. I Remain your obedient servant John Humphreys now known as John Bowen the letter to your father is word for word the same as this I have written it in duplicate in case she should be killed before I am Well, that is plain enough Easton said when Rupert had finished It is just what you said all along the woman did not know which was her son and you and Edgar stand in the same relation to captain Clinton that you always did Thank God for that Rupert said we want no change and my father has said talking it over with me again and again He has two sons and loves us both equally and it would be a deep grief to him now to know for certain that one of us is not his son I will walk across to the hospital and ask how the sergeant is going on. I am strangely placed towards him now It is a curious position Easton said but in any case you do but stand towards him as a son would do towards a father Who had given him up in infancy to be adopted by someone else? Rupert did not reply but saying wait here until I come back walked over to the hospital lines he returned in a few minutes the doctor says he is sinking he said gravely I shall go over there and remain until all is over will he be sensible at the last he asked the surgeon as he stood by the litter possibly the surgeon said I have a great interest in asking doctor I am most anxious to have a few words with him if possible before he dies if you will call me if he opens his eyes the surgeon said I will do what I can to rouse him his pulse is getting weaker and weaker I do not think the end is far off half an hour later the dying man opened his eyes Rupert beckoned to the surgeon who came across at once and poured a few drops of spirits between his lips and moistened his forehead with a sponge dipped in vinegar and water do you know me Humphreys Rupert asked I am Rupert Clinton the dying man's face brightened then his lips moved where is Smith he left me to get help he never returned he is away now Rupert said anxious not to disturb the dying man when we got to you you were insensible that was two days ago Edgar is not in camp at present there is a letter for you yes it was found on you and I have read it and I know how we stand towards each other and that perhaps you are my father here is the letter I will swear to it get a witness rupert called the surgeon doctor the sergeant wishes you to hear him swear that this letter was written by him and that its contents are true bible the sergeant said faintly a bible was brought and the dying man's hand placed upon it i swear he said in a firmer voice than that in which he had hitherto spoken that this letter was written by me and that every word in it is true and that neither i nor my wife nor anyone save god knows whether trumpeter smith or lieutenant clinton is my son the effort was made and he closed his eyes rupert took his hand and knelt beside him once again the sergeant opened his eyes and spoke good lads both he said better as things are a few minutes later he ceased to breathe the surgeon had retired after hearing the sergeant's declaration when he saw Rupert rise to his feet he came up to him I have just written down the words he said and have signed my name as a witness to the fact that it was a declaration sworn on the Bible by one who knew he was dying thank you Rupert said it is a strange story I will tell you it some day after leaving the hospital Rupert went to Easton in whose judgment he had a great deal of confidence and after stating what had occurred asked him if in his opinion he could take any steps to learn more about Edgar i think clinton that were i in your place i should go to the commanding officer and tell him you have learnt that the trumpeter who was with the wounded sergeant of the heavies found in the grove and who left him to fetch aid from our camp was your brother you can say that on account of a misunderstanding he left home and enlisted under a false name and begged that a search be instituted for his body and also that the politicals who are in communication with the natives should make inquiries whether any white captive had been brought into the Metima. if you like i will say as much to our colonel and i am sure that he will give orders that whenever detachments go out strict search will be made of all ground over which they pass I am afraid that if we do learn from the natives that he is at metema our chance of getting him back before we take the place is small for even if the people into whose hands he fell were willing to part with him for a ransom the fanatical dervishes would not allow it however there would be no harm in trying i know that today half a dozen natives came in with some cattle and grain and no doubt some others will be in tomorrow Rupert took the advice and at once went over to the quarters of the officer in command and made the statement that Easton had suggested The Colonel expressed great regret and promised that every step should be taken to ascertain the fate of his brother and to endeavor to recover him if alive Another party was sent out in the morning and a further and most minute search made of the ground between the camp and the grove where the sergeant had been found and the nineteenth hussars were directed while scouring the plain to search every depression and to examine every clump of bushes to discover if possible the body of a missing soldier or any sign of his clothes or accoutrements the political officer closely questioned all the natives who came in but these came from villages higher up the river and no news was obtained of what was going on at metema the next day there was a great outburst of firing in metema, Guns and cannon being discharged incessantly for two or three hours at first it was thought that some dispute might have arisen between the various tribes now occupying the place but this idea was abandoned when it was seen that the cannon on the walls were discharged not into the town but towards the open country and it was then concluded that some great festival of the Mahdi was being celebrated the following day was Sunday just as the troops were being formed up for a church parade a staff officer came up to rupert and his fellow aides-de-camp as they were buckling on their sword is anything wrong major rupert asked as he saw that the officer was much agitated yes we have terrible news a boat has just come down from wilson with the news that he arrived too late that khartoum has fallen and that gordon is murdered an exclamation of horror broke from the two young officers do you think it is true, Major? I fear there is no doubt of it. The steamers got up to the town, and the Mahdi's flags were flying everywhere, and the vessels were peppered with shot from all the batteries. There is other bad news. Wilson's steamers both ran aground and cannot be got off. Beresford is to go up and bring the party off, that is, if he can fight his way past the batteries. You see, that is what the firing in Menema yesterday was about. No doubt a messenger had arrived from the Mahdi with the news of the fall of Khartoum. Don't say anything about it of course the news will not be kept from the officers but it is best to be kept from the man as far as possible feeling almost stunned with the news rupert and his companions joined the rest of the staff and proceeded to the parade ground an hour after the service had concluded the terrible intelligence was known to all the officers the feelings of grief indignation and rage were universal all their efforts and suffering had been in vain all the money spent upon the expedition entirely wasted gordon and his egyptian garrison at khartoum had perished and it seemed not unnatural that the authorities at home should be blamed for the hesitation they had displayed in sending out the expedition to rescue the heroic defenders even at the last moment they had countermanded their orders for the purchase of camels which had they been available would have enabled general stewart's desert column to march straight across instead of being obliged to send the camels backwards and forwards and in that case the steamers would have arrived in time to save gordon for it was but two days before they reached khartoum that the town had fallen never was an expedition so utterly useless never did brave men who had fought their way through all difficulties find their efforts so completely vain the news could not long be kept from the men the words of passionate grief and indignation that burst from their officers were soon caught up and carried through the camp and the rank and file joined with their officers in a wholesale denunciation of those who were responsible for this disaster which had suddenly overtaken the expedition the future was warmly debated among the officers some maintained that the expedition having come so far the money having been laid out it would be allowed to finish its work to proceed to khartoum to recover the city crush the mahdi and restore peace and order to the sudan others asserted that after this failure to carry out the main object of the expedition the authorities at home might now hasten to withdraw an expedition which they had only with apparent reluctance sent out at all rupert feared that the latter alternative was the most probable and with it his hopes of seeing his brother before long were dashed to the ground it was maddening to think that he was lying a helpless prisoner in the hands of the arabs in the mud-walled town but two miles away for it was now probable that the force would march back, and Edgar be left to his fate. Easton and Skinner in vain attempted to cheer him. They had, however, no arguments to combat his conviction that the expedition would be abandoned, and could only fall back upon their belief that sooner or later Edgar would manage to make his escape from the hands of the Arabs. To Rupert's distressed mind this was poor consolation lord charles beresford at once started up the river in a small steamer to rescue sir charles wilson's party as it was known that there was a strong battery below the spot where the steamers had been lost and that beresford would have to run the gauntlet of this on his way up much anxiety was felt as to the result and a constant and eager watch was kept up for a sight of the steamer on her return when the time came that she was expected to make her appearance and no signs were visible of her the anxiety heightened and when another day passed and still she did not return grave fears were entertained for her safety at last the welcome news came that smoke could be seen ascending from the river higher up and loud cheers burst from the men when the flag at the masthead was seen above the trees there was a general rush down to the shore of all who were not on duty to hear the news when she arrived and when she drew up near the bank and the first party landed it was found that her escape had been a narrow one indeed in passing the battery she had had a sharp engagement with the artillery there and a shot passed through her boiler and disabled her and she had been obliged to anchor fortunately she was a little above the battery when this took place the guns could not well be brought to bear upon her and although assailed by a constant fire of musketry her own guns her gardener and the rifles of the troops had kept the enemy at a distance and prevented them from shifting any of their guns so as to play upon her until an officer of the naval brigade who was acting as her engineer had managed to repair the boiler while the fight was going on sir charles wilson's party were upon an island near which the second steamer had sunk two miles higher up the river and were hotly engaged with a force upon the bank they were able to see that the rescuing steamer was disabled and at night had crossed to the river bank and marching down it to a point opposite the steamer opened communication with her by signals and then did what they could to divert the attention of the enemy from her by opening fire upon the battery with one of their guns causing the enemy to turn two or three of his pieces of artillery against them at nightfall they marched down the river to a point where the steamer had signaled she would pick them up the steamer ran past the battery in the morning and fortunately escaped without serious injury and then picking up the whole of sir charles wilson's party came down the river without further molestation all this time no dispatch of any kind had been received from corti although a small reinforcement consisting of a company of naval brigade and half a battery of artillery had arrived and the camels or rather a portion of them for nearly half had died upon the journey had returned from Gakdul with a supply of stores the days passed heavily until on the tenth of february general buller and the eighteenth royal irish arrived hopes were entertained as they were seen approaching, that the appearance of the infantry signified that the expedition was still to continue to advance, but it was very soon known that the Royal Irish had merely arrived to cover the retreat. The next morning the whole of the wounded were sent off under a strong escort, then the work of destroying all the stores that had been brought up by the last convoy, except what were needed for the march down to Gokdul, were carried out, and two days later the forts that had been built with so much labour were evacuated, and the whole force set out upon their march down to Corti this time the journey was performed on foot the camels of the three corps and of the vast baggage train with which they had started were bleaching on the desert and scarce enough animals remained for the service of carrying down the sick and wounded rupert clinton was among them his strength had failed rapidly and a sort of low fever had seized him and he had for some days before the convoy started been lying prostrate in the hospital lines skinner was at his own request carried by the same camel that conveyed rupert the beds being swung one on each side of it he had protested that he was perfectly capable of marching but the doctors would not hear of it and when he found he could accompany rupert he was glad they decided against him as he was able to look after his friend and to keep up his spirits to a certain extent by his talk several of the wounded died on their way down among them sir herbert stewart who had survived his wound a much longer time than the surgeons had at first believed possible one piece of news that they had learned the day before they left the neighborhood of Metamah had some slight effect in cheering Rupert. A native of that town having reported that a white prisoner had been brought in on the day after the battle near the town. He had been captured by some men of the Jarin tribe and not by the regular troops of the Mahdi. Three or four days later there had been a quarrel, the Mahdi's people wanting to take the prisoner and send him up to Khartoum his captors had objected claiming him as their private property but as they were only a small party he would doubtless have been taken from them by force had they not during the night stolen out of the town with him taken a boat crossed the river and made off thus there was evidence that edgar was still alive and skinner endeavoured to impress upon rupert that in every respect the intelligence was favourable you see, Clinton, if your brother had been sent up to the Mahdi, the villain would have endeavored to force him to change his religion. Edgar would never have done that, and in that case it is pretty certain that they would have chopped his head off. As it is, the chief of these Arabs who took him evidently means to keep him as a slave for himself. Of course, it is not as pleasant to be a slave, but it is better than having the choice between worshipping a greasy Arab or having your head chopped off and it will give him time to learn the language to make his plans of escape and to carry them out rupert was too weak and ill to fully enter into the question but he did see that edgar's position was certainly better under an arab master than it would have been had he been sent up to khartoum and the knowledge that he was alive and was in no immediate danger of his life did much to revive him and enable him to bear the weary journey down to Korti better than he would otherwise have done once there the comparatively cool air of the hospital tents the quiet and the supply of every luxury soon had their effect and in the course of three weeks he was up and about though it would be some time before he would be fit for active duty it was still altogether uncertain what decision would be finally arrived at at home respecting the expedition but for the present the troops were stationed at various points on the river as far down as dongola and it was hoped that later on the advance against khartoum would be recommenced rupert as soon as he was able to get about had a long conversation with major kitchener the political officer who was in charge of all communications with the natives he related to him the circumstances of his brother's capture and how he was a prisoner of some men belonging to the jarin tribe major kitchener promised that his spies should make every inquiry and held out hopes that by the offer of a large reward his captors might be induced to bring him down to the camp the time passed very slowly. The heat increased in intensity and became intolerable from nine in the morning until five in the afternoon. Between those hours there was nothing to do but lie still in the mud huts that had now been erected, for it would have been well-nigh impossible to exist in the little tents that the troops had brought with them. In the early morning and in the evening everyone bathed in the Nile, then the officers, each of whom had picked up some sort of pony from the natives, went for a ride, chased the wild dogs, or wandered gun on shoulder in search of such game as was to be found. After sunset was the only really pleasant time of day, and when the moon was up both officers and men enjoyed themselves. But on dark nights neither walking nor riding could be indulged in, so broken was the ground, and there was nothing to do but talk, sing, and vary the tedium by a game of cards. The guards camel regiment were posted close to dongola rupert who since the death of general stuart had no longer any staff duties was attached to the transport corps and spent a considerable portion of his time going up or down the river in boats he did not therefore see much of his friends although he never passed dongola without managing to make it a halting-place so as to have a few hours talk with them you have thoroughly picked up again clinton skinner said as he arrived upon one of these visits no one would know you to be the same fellow who was brought down to Corti with me on that wretched camel's back i think you are very lucky to have got put on to that transport work so do i skinner it gives me little time to sit and think and though it is terrifically hot in the middle of the day i can always manage to get up some sort of shelter with straw or matting of some kind and at any rate it is cooler there than on shore i wish they would give me a turn at it skinner said i cannot offer to take an oar for although my arm is going on very well the doctor says it may be months before i can venture to use it in anything like hard work we get up jolly horse races here once a week in the evening the natives enter their animals of course we have no chance with them on our little tats but we sometimes manage to requisition two or three horses from the hussars I dare not ride myself for though the horses and ponies are both very sure-footed these natives ride in the wildest way and one might get cannoned over still it is an amusement to look on and make small bets and watch the natives crowds of them come out to see it and they get tremendously excited over it I wish we could get up a good football match the guards against dongola it would be awful fun as far as running goes we should not be in it and if one of them got the ball he would carry it right through us up to the goal for they are as active and slippery as eels of course when it came to a good close fight we should have it our own way have you managed to get up football on board ship Skinner Easton who was stretched at full length on the ground asked lazily not yet skinner laughed if we played it all we should have to use a cannon ball so that it could not be kicked over the sides but then unless we got iron shoes made for the purpose we should all be laid up but i have got a football in my cabin and once or twice we have had games at Salkim, and very good fun it was too no news i suppose clinton easton asked sitting up rupert shook his head not a word we hear very little of what is going on above us and the natives who do come in lie so there's no believing a word they say i have been thinking that if one could trust them i would pay one of the sheiks to dress me up and stain my skin and take me with him on a wandering expedition to khartoum and over the country on both sides of the river it would be madness easton said of course if you could talk their language perfectly it might be possible to manage it for i suppose that with dye and false hair one might be got up to pass as far as appearances go but not being able to speak the language would be fatal of course i should have to go as a dumb man I was asking the surgeon the other day if there would be any great difficulty in if cutting a fellow's tongue out. "'In doing what?' Easton and Skinner asked in astonishment. "'Cutting my tongue out,' Rupert said seriously. "'You see, if my tongue was cut out, anyone could see at once that I was dumb. "'Of course it would not be pleasant, but I believe it would be possible to get to talk after some time. "'If there were no other objections, I should not hesitate for a moment. "'But unfortunately I should have to pass for deaf as well as dumb.' for, of course, I should not understand anything that was said to me. I have been thinking it over in every light, and really the only great objection I see to the plan is that though one might depend on the chief's being faithful if he were well paid, it would be very doubtful as to his followers. And are you really serious in saying that you would have your tongue cut out, Clinton? Of course I am serious, Rupert said, almost angrily. What is one's tongue in comparison to one's brother? What do you think, Easton? Do you think the idea is at all feasible?" I may say that for the last two months I have been working almost night and day at the language. I engaged a fellow the day I came out of hospital. He was working for one of those Greek shopkeepers. He is a native of Dongola, but has been down in Egypt and picked up a certain amount of French. He goes about with me in the boat, and we talk all day, and as long as I can keep him awake at night. Of course, I don't think for a moment that I could learn enough to pass as a native for at least a couple of years. But it would be of no use my going up with a party of Arabs if I could not make out what they say and learn what news they pick up. And make arrangements to get edgar away if we find him it would be a fearfully risky business clinton easton said gravely the betting would be tremendously against you but i don't say that it is absolutely impossible that you should be successful i don't think it would be necessary to carry out the idea of having your tongue cut out as you say a tongue is nothing in comparison to a brother and if i thought that the loss of your tongue would insure your success i should say nothing against it it would be a matter for you and you only to decide but i should think it might be managed in some other way the fellow you would be with would naturally avoid all large encampments and would send you off to look after camels or something if other natives arrived at the same encampment you don't really mean easton skinner said that you seriously think that it might be done that is that the betting is not more than ten to one against it no i don't think the odds are longer than that skinner you know burton went to mecca in disguise and i believe that it has been done since by somebody else I grant that Burton could talk the language well, and that having to play the part of a dumb man adds to the risk. Still, I do not think, as I said, that the chances are more than ten to one against it. Well, I shall think it over, Rupert said, but I must be going now, for the boat will be loaded by this time. Why did you encourage Clinton in this mad idea, Easton? Skinner asked, after Rupert had left them. I don't think I did encourage him. I told him the betting was ten to one against his coming back alive, and I don't call that encouraging. But I believe it is possible, and I am not at all sure that if I were in his place and the idea had occurred to me that I shouldn't try to carry it out End of chapter fifteen.